The views expressed on this podcast represent only those of the hosts and do not represent the views of the Student National Medical Association. The 2024 AMEC Wilbert C. Jordan Research Forum abstract submissions are now open. Abstract requirements must include the following. Must be 2,500 characters or less without spaces, not including title or author block. One abstract per person. No partners or groups will be accepted. And the sections to include are title, author, s or author, background, methods, results, and conclusions. Case reports are not eligible for submission. And work should not have been presented or published previously unless significant changes or findings have been made since the previous presentation. Abstracts will be reviewed for completeness without error. So make sure y'all proofread that. Use Grammarly or something like that. Selected entries will be notified on a rolling basis. Application deadline is Thursday, November 30th, 2023 at 11.59 p.m. PST. At the end of this month, an AMAC 2023 presentations will be held on March 29th and 30th of 2024. You can email WCJ forum f-o-r-u-m at snma.org with any questions now let's get to the show what's up everybody Welcome to SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. I'm student doctor Isabella, and since we are in interview season, right, to all my med students, uh, aspiring residents, <laughs> our icebreaker today is let us share a shocking or the most cringiest moment you've had during your medical school and or residency interview and how you navigated it. So I will start. Um, so honestly, I had a very mundane interview period for med school. Um, the most I could think of, um, at least when it came to my current med school pen, was, you know, usually they have the faculty interview portion and they have the student interview portion. So the student who actually interviewed me was a very, very good friend um, that I did research with at Penn during the summer. So it was like such a, I guess, like welcoming surprise to see like, oh, I know you, like you are somebody that I have a very good rapport with. So the interview just ended up going a lot more smoothly than I thought it would. So that was just kind of, I guess, like a good shocking. It wasn't like, thankfully, a bad shocking. But what about you, Dr. Aldi? Let the people know. You know, like this brings back memories. You know what I mean? Like I think about my med school interviews and uh, I had quite several, I wouldn't say like anything crazy shocking, but I did remember that in one of my residency, I mean, uh, one of my med school interviews, one of the um, interviewers was getting at me for my low MCAT score. It was like, yo, get off my, you know what I'm saying? Like chill, relax, like y'all interviewing right. me. So y'all see that already that I had a low MCAT score and I took the MCAT three times, but it's like right. the point of, like harboring over, oh, did you study? Like she was asking questions like, did you even study hard? Were you playing around? No, what? I'm trying to question my integrity and intelligence. Like I'm here to give like you and learn more about the program. And you're giving me a, a very negative viewpoint and perspective. Right. Um, this medical school. So it was, you know, at that time, you know, it was disheartening to experience that. 
And I got really right. frustrated. I was like, yo, I'm not going to get in. It's over for that. It's clipped. So I'm going to drop. But they end up giving me, um, they end up giving me, uh, you know, an, an acceptance. But I think Period. that like good, bad, um, good cop, bad cop kind of thing, you know, because it was too right. So that's yeah, the grilling. They they could have left the grilling out, oh, but okay, they still took you in. That's that. all. But regardless, I was gonna say you a whole doctor, so we don't care about what we don't care. And and for the residency, and uh, I remember I had an interview at a program in New Orleans virtually, and the chair of the department he was out with um some of the residents, and he came on the interview um with um with all the other residents, and they were out like getting lit, you know, type mm. thing. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, that's but, dope. Like, he was like right. meeting. It was a meetup, but still, like, the fact that he went out with the actual other residents said a lot. And um, right. I would say the last one would be um, when I interviewed at a, a Morehouse School of Medicine for psychiatry residency the first time around. And uh, they were like, yo, we've been waiting for you. We're like, yo, what's up? Like, what's well, we've been talking about you since your second year in med school. You know what I mean? Now, I felt affirmed. And I was like, yo, I needed that energy, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but hopefully, you know, they give me a second chance. Morehouse, you know, you could uh, give me an interview, uh, please, uh, this time around. <laughs> I'm working out here. You see, you feel me, you feel me? But that's Morehouse School of Medicine. I still love y'all regardless. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Oh, by the way, shout out to, yo, I miss um, Erica. So we love you yes. and we miss you. I still remember the episode. I was off off, and that made me yeah. so happy. I was on the train listening and uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that. Now the roles are reversed. Now it's you and me, Aldi, and Erica's going to be listening to us. Mm-hmm. So you know what time it is? It is time to run the list. So for our preclinical students, running the patient list on the wards allows the team to address pressing matters of the day. In this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine affecting our communities and the populations we serve. Now, first off, as we mentioned, it is that time of the year. People is getting ready for residency applications already submitted, hopefully. And if you have not, make sure you do that ASAP, Rocky, because, you you know, you're behind on the eight ball, you know, but there's so many things that's going on, you know, whether participating in interviews, either for medical school residency or fellowship programs. Um, as we mentioned, um, interviews are typically sent out in, for medical school in late summer, early fall. I remember for medical school, uh, my first interview was from uh, Morehouse School of Medicine, and I was sitting in my genetics class in my second master's program, and I screamed out loud, and <laughs> the teacher was like, yo, what's good, you I? I mean, they didn't say what's good, but you know what I mean? Like, the energy was like, I was like, yo, yeah, through the roof. No, what y'all mm-hmm. said. That's my first <laughs> interview after the third time applying. God right. bless. You feel me? And the same thing uh, with residency, actually. My first mm-hmm. uh, interview invite was Morehouse School of Medicine, but for psychiatry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, sorry, I'm saying Morehouse a lot. But the fact that matters is that this you is a time. And um, what I want to really hear um, from your perspective, I know you're not yet in residency, but you will be. You're going to be an EM uh, doctor. Mm-hmm. You already know we're claiming that. And I got some plugs for you. No worries. Um, Period. But, um, do you have any memorable stories from your interview days? Memorable stories. Yeah. Like kind of harping on that. Like I I don't have the most <laughs> memorable stories. I just yeah. remember, though, feeling having a good feeling, at least like I can speak for my pen interview, um, having a good feeling coming in and seeing like a lot of like the black people I had seen 
you know, uh, during my research at Penn, because I did research for two years at Penn, and just seeing faces that I knew and just all of us kind of with our, you know, attire on, and we're just like ready to go. And we're kind of just excited to start this new journey. So it was kind of nice to just have that coming together moment, because like I had known these people at least for two years. And so for us to have gotten to the point where we're actually interviewing for medical school was like a big deal. Um, So I just remember really feeling like a lot of pride and just like excitement, Um, you know, to start the next chapter and be a doctor, um, which I had been working towards during my time at Howard and even a little bit before then. Um, And I think it's so important too, to just like hone in on what we'd want our listeners to know when it comes to interviewing, right? Like what are... Um, what are the biggest tidbits that they should focus on when it comes to preparing for interview season? Because I think people do downplay the interview season a bit um, or they think, oh, like, you know, it's just another stepping stone. But that typically does determine whether or not the school will take you or not. So one thing I always tell people are, hey, like, just make sure that you have your story down packed. Like, what is it as to why you want to be a doctor? Mm -hmm. And like, be able to say that forwards and backwards because when you have a really good story that's going to you know attract whoever you're talking to um and then two your entire resume is fair game so don't sit there and put something you only did for like two days (laughs) and say yeah whatever and you can't speak on it because they can ask you anything on your resume and you need people to talk eloquently about it so those are like the biggest points um i feel like i try to reiterate to listeners when it comes to interview season i don't know if you have anything else to add but I felt like that was important to to include in. Please, 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 please do not be late for a virtual interview. My guy, my guy, like you, like it's a virtual interview. Make sure you set up your camera, your your your, um, your laptop beforehand. Um, and I think right. also there's something to say. You mentioned something critical about how you look, how they perceive of you. So mm-hmm. getting a quality camera, like right now, I got my MacBook Air camera. It's grainy as trash. So I actually have a, another camera that I actually use for my webcam when I'm actually right. um, um, interviewing. Invested, like in, mm-hmm. You already invested, you know, for the residency and you probably invested probably a thousand plus dollars. You know, this year mm-hmm. I invested twenty four hundred dollars to uh, apply to like mm-hmm. programs. You know what I'm saying? It costs money, guys. It costs so money. Add a little yeah. bit, you know, add a little bit to invest in a webcam. Um, and right. if you don't get advanced and be on your podcast, you hear me? You get you okay. nice you know, you me type. The ring light. Don't forget like, the ring light. <laughs> Yo, for real, the ring light, make sure the lighting is good. Um, For some yeah. people, I would even recommend, you know, having um like in your background something that you're passionate about, like a, a poster right. that you're passionate right. about. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I got a poster of meditation, like someone meditating. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do. It's like the little subtle things that really will impress upon them when you're interviewing certain things. Like make yourself stand out. You feel me? Right. And not even in terms of like your tie. Like you know, you don't got to be you know fancy and fly, but just in mm-hmm. terms of surrounding your demeanor. Also, another thing I recommend: also smile. Like you know, what I'm yes. saying like your zygomatic muscle is gonna be feeling crazy. Like after interview, that's it. Like, <laughs> when I was interviewing for residency, you know, I had like over twenty interviews or whatever, and um, I was smiling in each of those interviews. Like by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, smile, that's it. Like, exactly. My, my dramatic muscle about to rip off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and research the institutions that you're going to. Like, speak to people directly offline. Obtain mm. a good idea of the residency program or the medical school, because oftentimes. Right. When you interview, you get a certain facade. You know what I mean? Like people will present to you 
the picture that they want to present, but not necessarily reality. So in order mm-hmm. to get to that reality, you got to spend that extra time. And also it helps because then you have people that could advocate for you if you so choose to really be interested in the program. And that's what I've been doing actually this year, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. interviewing and, um, and stuff like that. So that. Um, with that being said, you know, if you feel good, you look good, you will do good. But for that's many, it. for many people, unfortunately, they're not feeling good. They're not looking good. They're not doing good. And as a result, we have people experiencing something that is very common, especially in when, you know, places where, it's winter, it's cold, it's dark, um, seasonal affective disorder um, right. It's upon us. You know, um, now there's less light. Like right now it's dark in New York City, 630. I'm saying it's dark. It's so dark out from my window. I'm like, what is this? It's cold, it's dark. Right. You feel me? Like I get up when it's dark, I leave, it's dark. Like, you know what I mean? Then you endure right. um, you don't experience that vitamin D. Actually, 40 to 50 percent of Americans uh, in America have low vitamin D. Um, and then mm. vitamin D insufficiency, but vitamin D is important for your mood. Your immune system is important for regulating so many different things and how you could most naturally get vitamin D is through your, through sunlight, but you can also, right. order, you know, um, uh, uh, synthetic, uh, photo light that you could use. But most of these symptoms, are, uh, experience, uh, people experience them during the fall, early winter. And some of the symptoms include feeling listless, sad, um, losing interest in activities, um, having difficulty concentrating, sleeping too much or sleeping too little, uh, weight mm-hmm. gain, um, feeling worthless. Uh, and I think the main thing is to be able to recognize yourself, understand who you are, and also understanding that this is a commonality that is plagues so many different individuals. So if you're getting mm-hmm. up and wondering, like, yo, I don't feel like going to work today, this it might be seasonal affective disorder. And it's mm-hmm. not to say that there's anything wrong with you, but it's mm-hmm. to say, like, and be conscientious of what's going on and what are some of the coping mechanisms that you can employ uh, or sad, but what are some of the things you, you know, when you think about seasonal affective disorder, um, what are some of the things that, you, you know, you would like to share with the audience and how it affects Honestly, them? like, I think that, I, I don't know. I, I, so when it comes to seasonal affective disorder, I actually think that there, it's kind of been a journey for me, honestly speaking. Um, hmm. Part of it, is like I was heavily affected by it when I was in undergrad. Um, mm-hmm. Like once it started getting dark, once it started getting cold, like I just wanted, I didn't want to be in the area. Like I just wanted to be gone. Right. Um, and so like, I remember like even to the point when I had the opportunity to graduate a semester early mm-hmm. from, okay, I fair. guess like, yeah, like graduate a semester early from Howard, a huge part of it was that I just wanted to avoid fall the the winter season like i just didn't want to be there for the you know the cold season i was like yeah i can't take another uh cold season in undergrad and i just like that was part of the reason why i graduated semester early Mm -hmm. and it's crazy to think about it now because it's like well that's how badly it affected me (laughs) you know um so i i do i do a little bit of the vitamin d and everything um uh, uh what's it called the pills um but i don't I don't know how like effective that has been for me, honestly speaking. Like I do, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking the wrong ones. I take the Trader Joe's one. So we'll just see mm-hmm. if I need to switch over to vitamin shop or I don't know. But I will say that like it's a real thing. It's it's a real it's a real like diagnosis. It's a real s- syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Like I think that especially black people are probably 
really severely affected by it. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to have lower vitamin D levels than right. majority of the population. Um, so we're definitely affected by it. Um, so I, I would say that for me, it's been a very real experience like seasonal affective disorder. And um, I want to let our listeners know that there are like, you're not alone in that situation. Um, I was never formally diagnosed with it, but I'm, you know, like, I'm sure if I was to go to the doctor, it probably would be in alignment with that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if you necessarily even need to get a formal diagnosis to probably, you know, keep it at bay, Mm -hmm. probably try the vitamin D pills, um, try the, the, the light. Um, there's other ways to just generally keeping healthy, staying active, going outside, you know, eating, um, eating well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just general things to that you would want to do for self-care. So I do think that like, you may not necessarily have to get a formal diagnosis to try to curb it. And so I just encourage our listeners like, Hey, like, you know, do what's necessary to, to, um, yeah, to, to just make sure that you're the best version of you during this cold, chilly winter season. And also another thing is with seasonal affective disorder, although it predominantly affects people in um, places where it's very cold, it also can affect people in places where it's very hot, where people can't go mm-hmm. and get outside, where they don't have access to AC, where you right. know, essentially you constantly feel uncomfortable to the point where it's like, oh, it's baking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I isolate myself indoors to protect myself against, you know, harmful rays, mm-hmm. the heat and heat stroke, exhaustion and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. it's quite possible that um, those things happen. But matter of fact, it's, it's important for us to recognize those symptoms, as we mentioned, trouble sleeping, agitation, anxiety, you know, decreased concentration. Um, and these are things that uh, you can certainly uh, look up as well. And obviously reach out to a provider, a professional to seek help if it severely deters you from doing your basic necessities of life, such as living, going to work and things of that nature, paying that bill, all that. Yeah. You know, and you know, seasonal affective disorder just ties into really the core of the podcast, which we know is a medical podcast and promoting health, promoting wellness. So of course we'd be amiss if we didn't mention some of our awareness months. Um, One being as fitting for the actual month of November is Movember or Movember. However, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave it to the listeners. You interpret it how you want to interpret it. How you want to say that word. Okay. So I'm going to go with Movember because apparently it, there's a, like, it sounds like, I guess like November. So I'm going to say Movember. Um, so this is an annual event founded 20 years ago in 2003 It involved the growing of mustaches during the month of November to raise awareness of men's health issues, including, but not limited to mental health and suicide awareness, prostate cancer, and testicular cancer. Um, So in regards to um, the, you know, just things surrounding November, one thing I want to highlight is the move for mental health, which pretty much is supposed to be a way to acknowledge the 60 men who globally die by suicide every hour mm-hmm. and Movember asked that participants honor and or acknowledge these losses by moving. So, you know, I guess it's fitting. You could also say Movember. That's why I said, I'm, I'm going to leave it to, you know, up to the listeners, how you guys want to say it, um, but moving in general. So walking, jogging, running, whatever kind of physical activity you do for 60 miles over the course of the month. Um, and so I think it's, you know, a little, it's cute that they found that little connection with 
November moving mustaches, like everything got MO in it. Like I don't, really, it's all, you know, kind of connected. Um, So I thought that was uh, great to highlight, but of course, even more importantly, the cancers that men can be affected by. So prostate cancer being a significant one. It is the most common cancer and the second leading cause of cancer death among men in the United States. Um, for um, our listeners, I mean, we want to assume that everybody or people who are listening have a good medical you know, foundation, but that may not be everybody. So we can talk a little bit about the prostate, which is a gland in the male reproductive system. It's just below the bladder, which is the organ that, of course, we know collects and empties urine and is in front of the rectum, which is the lower part of the intestine. It's about the size of a walnut, so it's pretty tiny, and it surrounds part of the urethra, which is a tube that empties urine from the bladder. So the prostate gland produces the fluid as well that makes it part of the semen. And so, of course, the prostate is kind of tied to men's you know, I guess, sexual identity, whatever you want to call it. I think the same way that women probably see our breasts or, you know, our vagina as, you know, things that make us feminine, men is prostate as well as the testicles. Um, So prostate cancer, of course, is something that will probably be very detrimental for men who have gone through that. Um, It's found mostly in older men. Um, It says in the United States, about one out of every eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. It's a pretty common cancer. And, but, surprisingly most men who are diagnosed with it don't actually die from it um they usually actually die from other reasons but they may die with prostate cancer um and it does occur more often in african-american men than in white men and african-american men with prostate cancer are more likely to die from the disease compared to white men with prostate cancer so what are some ways that you can identify or have some symptoms with prostate cancer difficulty um starting urination a weak, you know, urine flow, interrupted urine flow, pain or burning, painful uh, or pain and uh, burning while peeing, as well as painful ejaculation, just to name a few. Um, and there is no standard screening test for prostate cancer outside of just doing uh, a digital rectal exam. There's not actually like a, a formal screening um, process. And there's also testicular cancer, which is another cancer that affects men. Um, it isn't as common as prostate it can happen at any age but it most often happens between the ages of 15 and 45 the first sign is usually just like a bump or a lump that you find on the testicle and then it that will you know become cancerous and spread to other parts of the body but it's actually pretty treatable which is good even when it has spread outside of the testicles um and so the treatments they have right now for test uh, testicular cancer is surgery as well as chemotherapy um it can be a bit hard to notice But some symptoms that people can look for when it comes to it is a lump or swelling in either testicle, a dull ache in the lower belly or groin, sudden swelling in the scrotum, back pain, pain or discomfort in the testicle or the scrotum, just, you know, for a few examples. Um, But some of the symptoms that they're actually highlighting can be confused for other medical diagnoses. So that's why it is kind of important to be mindful of, you know, what you're feeling and how, how, what's going on with your body, essentially. But Listen, Aldi, you're a man, so I'm sure you can speak more on this than I can. But I just wanted, you know, to give a rundown to our listeners who may not be, you know, as privy to the medical information. No, for sure. Um, I, I think, you know, with conversations like this, um, men empower yourself to learn about your body and mm-hmm. learn ways in which you could protect and, and uh, prevent um, diseases, cancer and illness. And uh, 
I, I think we don't oftentimes have enough conversations about that with ourselves and with our community. It's kind of taboo, especially for black men. It's like going to the doctor, he's going to put, he's going to check me out down there. Like, yo, that's mad, you know, suspect. All these kind of like wrongful thoughts because that thought engenders why there's high rates mm-hmm. of death with people with prostate cancer that are black than white. Right. Although we don't make up um, most of the, um, um, most of the population who has prostate cancer, but we die at higher rates. Similar thing is found with black women and breast cancer as well. Mm-hmm. So ending, you know, um, the main thing is uh, becoming engaged with the preventative aspect um, and being involved with your health and talking to your healthcare provider, uh, in particular your physician, about mm-hmm. ways that you can you know, create this, uh, create a healthy life for yourself. And it's, these decisions not only impact you, but also impacts your loved ones. So uh, being mindful and being conscious of that um, and also, you know, even in regards to you know, the, the testicular cancer, you got a shorty, have her, you know, check you out too. You know what I'm saying? Every now and then. Oh, okay. You know I mean? Like, right. if you feel uncomfortable. Oh, oh you're taking it there. All right. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's creative. That's, listen, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. And I don't, of course, mean to cut you off. It's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of men end up in the ED not because they're concerned but because either their wife or their girlfriend was right. concerned they're like oh yeah my wife she she said that there's this thing that like is concerning and she's just forced me here like it's just so funny to me because it's like women do honestly play a huge role in men like being conscious of their health like a lot of the times they just probably ignore it yeah 100 percent. i mean i had a i had a patient once that um had erectile dysfunction and the reason why was because he had diabetes and uncontrollable mm. diabetes can cause you know erectile dysfunction. So right. uh, his wife was just complaining about obviously for for various reasons, but you know the main reason. So um, black men, do you think men in general, but black men, um, please um, take care of yourself. You know we currently have the lowest life expectancy in America. At uh, we're currently at seventy years old. Um, the average white man lives to about seventy four, and mm. the average woman lives to seventy eight. Uh, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think addressing these disparities and having these months where we could have discourse about this, uh, can change the outcomes that we anticipate will happen. Um, so, right. Love it. Love it. And we got to keep going with the, with the awareness months. I mean, November is chock full of them. You know, it's crazy because in the winter, I feel like what suffers the most is my skin. It just dries it out is I'm just looking chafed. So it's fitting that this is national healthy skin awareness month. Okay. And I would like to bring that to the forefront because I think that it's important to emphasize the need for good skincare, especially during the colder months. Mm-hmm. And the American Academy of Dermatology actually launched the first National Healthy Skin Month in November in 1997. And since then, they actually have it as an annual event in which they kind of discuss these matters. So here are some tips um, that our listeners can adopt for a lifetime of healthier skin, hair, and nails. So reducing wrinkles. Okay, listen, you know, on this podcast, we are of a, of a darker hue, so we believe in we you know black don't crack. But but listen, we you know what we still gotta prevent. I want to look like Cecily Tyson, okay, at at ninety two. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever I can. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
reducing wrinkles. So basically when it comes to wrinkles, a big part of it is sun damage and age. Um, but apparently sleeping on your back rather than your sign, your, or sorry, rather than on your side, um, can help lessen the likelihood of attributing something called sleep lines. And right. that actually works already for me because I be sleeping on my back to keep my lashes protected. Okay. Cause I, I get my, so I don't want my lashes to be falling off. So I already sleep on my, on my back, but, um, it also works for wrinkles as well. So I was, delighted to see that um removing makeup while hydrating your eyelids so basically if you want to take makeup off your eyelids you can um use petroleum jelly which not only takes it off but it also helps to hydrate your eyelids and i didn't even think about that because like eyelids are probably i would say like a part of the face that could easily get dehydrated or look dry mm. um so i think that's like a, a way to kill two birds with one stone um minimizing irritated skin when you start using a retinoid so i actually have never used have you ever used a retinoid i've never used that i think use a retinoid no yeah i've heard good things about them but i've never used it it's basically vitamin a which i know is like that promotes like um cellular differentiation so right. I, I can imagine why it's good for the skin but yeah no, i Mm -hmm. So I never use it, but basically they just said to make sure that um, you don't um, when you first start using retinoid, that your skin is going to be a bit dry and irritated. So basically trying not to use it too much, but rather just two to um, two or three times a week is enough. Um, and then also lessening irritation that's caused by a retinoid. So before you actually apply it to your face, you can dab a small amount of petroleum jelly or hydrating moisturizer under your eyes to the outer edges of your nose or to the corners of your mouth. Um, relieving dry hands and bitter, brittle, brittle nails. So I feel like that's a huge thing for me because, like, especially with like constantly washing your hands, mm -hmm. you're gonna get dry hands, you know. So I feel like moisturizer, moisturizer, moisturizer. You know, make sure you keep that thing on you. Okay, keep the hands moist. So I feel like um, an ointment is a very good um, way to moisturize your hands, as as they recommended, um, and it also helps with the cuticles as well. And yeah, so it also is something that serves two purposes, preventing nail fungus. So I, I've seen it, but I've never had it. I feel like, have, have you had nail fungus before, Alden? I feel like, aren't, didn't you say you were, did you play sports? Uh, yeah, I played basketball um, in high school. Um, I did have uh, bouts with uh, nail fungus for sure. Cause you know, especially mm -hmm. when we talk about like when you're taking showers and things of that nature, um, mm -hmm. not these, you know, if it's not sanitized and you're sharing showers with other people that have fungus, like it's very possible that the fungus can then migrate into your nail bed and even your skin right. and cause like athlete's foot and mm -hmm. same thing like wrestling and things of that nature with yes. jocks, you know, um, jocks itch as well. So, um, I think taking care, like I said, taking care of yourself and doing what you can with no matter what environment you're in and just always being mindful of situation scenarios that may increase your risk like if you know it is certain area they're not cleaning or they're not doing the right thing you know wear sandals you know what i'm saying like yeah that you're providing yourself that service and decency to take care of your body which is the temple mm -hmm. created from you know the one if you believe in that <laughs> that's it right exactly so um yes and last but not least having healthier hair so i also feel like my hair is something that is having my natural hair out during the winter time i think is like just i'm setting myself up if i do that because my hair is going to be dry it's going you know dandruff going to be flying everywhere um so i do tend to wear and i think a lot of black women know to like wear protective styles during 
the colder months um, to protect their hair. But um, they do say that if you have your hair out, getting your haircut on a regular basis will make it healthier because you're taking off the split ends, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's not going to make your hair quote unquote grow faster. Listen, that's not what my hairstyle is. So when she told me if you cut your split ends, it's gonna make your hair grow faster. I don't know the science behind it. It technically doesn't make sense, but I can see why people believe that. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's the illusion. I think it's the illusion of the hair looking longer when it's the not aspect, like yo, what article like what research articles show that? Like, do you have any <laughs> no data? Like, I, I, there's that? no data behind so, it, baby. It's no data. <laughs> 0.05. Or less. What's up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyway, that is National Healthy Skin Awareness Month. And, and that is what the AAD recommends that we follow to keep our skin in the best pos- possible health. And, you know, we have to, of course, highlight others in I guess either within the medical community or outside of the medical community who are still trying to search for answers or solutions um, that affect our well-being. And the youth are actually doing a pretty good job of it. There's actually a 14-year-old who has recently invented soap to treat skin cancer. Um, He is a middle schooler, has been named America's top young scientist after developing a soap found to be useful in the treatment of melanoma, which is a skin cancer that's diagnosed in about 100,000 people in the U.S. each year and kills approximately 8,000. Um, he pitched this idea for a soap called the Skin Cancer Treating Soap made from compounds that could reactivate dendritic cells. I know you know that word, Aldwin. That brings me back to immunology. Yes, of course. <laughs> of that's my dish. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like immunology? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, reactivate dendritic cells that help to guard the human skin, enabling them to fight the cancer cells. His name is Bekele. Um, he is he actually grew up in Ethiopia before moving to the United States at the age of four. Ethiopia. Um, and yeah, he's doing you know he's doing God's work. Um, he quotes. Um, melanoma treating soap or MTS is a compound based bar of soap and it's charged with different cancer fighting chemicals. The main one being this agent called imidazoquinoline. Okay. So it sounds like sounds crazy. Uh, yeah. It's like quinolone. I, I, I don't know if that's yep. like, uh, is that a steroid or O-N-E is a steroid. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a steroid. Um, it's quite a mouthful, but it's this drug that is commonly used for different antifungals and acne treatments and has recently been looked into in the field of skin cancer. I really realized that it was a viable option for topical applications like a soap. Using that drug as well as other components like a nanolipid-based particle transporter that delivered the drug throughout the skin was actually a really effective solution for some cancer. For some mm-hmm. cancer. So what what do you think of this? I mean, this Shout out amazing. to that guy, man. I mean, at 14 mm-hmm. years old, like he's about to hit the jackpot he already hit the lottery you know what i'm saying in terms of yeah. he's gonna be financially endowed but also he's gonna be endowed in terms of creating a legacy that at such a young age um mm-hmm. could change the scope of melanoma i still remember i was on my neurology rotation um mm-hmm. years back away rotation in la and i remember uh, meeting a patient that um didn't even know like he had melanoma and he had outbreaks of it several mm-hmm. times, uh, years and now he had been admitted um because he was starting to have you know, um, changes in his mental status and found out they had metastatic melanoma, you know what I'm saying? And you could see the lesions in his brain and he just, you know, broke down crying in front of his family. Oh. But 
bringing that up to say like this just brings me to that scenario where now we have a soap that could potentially prevent and unfortunately i would i highly doubt that he probably is alive to this day um but um for individuals in the future you know in terms of um, creating access to something like soap that is you know is we use it every day you know it's something that highly accessible to people as opposed Mm -hmm. to if you don't got the bread you got melanoma i mean it's it's pretty you know it's pretty tough you know and it spreads very you know very easily I mean, yeah. as it pertains to black people, luckily we don't suffer from it um, as much, uh, you know, well, obviously I don't want anybody suffering, but luckily for our community, uh, mm-hmm. one out of 100,000 per one, one per 100,000 black people are diagnosed with melanoma um, mm. each year. Um, so um, with that being said, I mean, in the United States, with that being said, I, I just think it's phenomenal that this young man is doing this and changing the scope of the game. Um, he's doing God's work and honestly speaking I think it's so important too because I how I recognize melanoma is through what I learned in med school called like A B C D oh yeah yeah and I feel like that's like if you remember that you're gold and you can point out melanoma a mile away borders and what is it Uh, A is what Uh, A A is asymmetry B is border so like irregular borders C is color color variation so if it's really just like you have like reg- all these regular moles and you have that one dark like mole that's just right. there. Right. D is diameter. So I think like 0.5 is where you get concerned or a little bit greater than that. Uh-huh. And E is, I don't know what E is. E everything else. I don't know what E is, but. Yeah, I'm not sure what um, E is. Yeah. Look, yeah. Look mm-hmm. at you. Step one on deck. Love. I, I just, I'm still kind of in the trenches of step. Like I'm, I'm studying for step two right now, but yeah, step one, thankfully is a, is a it's a, a memory. It's a right, memory. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah so yeah that is i think that um you know for the black community sometimes we don't really take skin cancer as seriously because we just say oh our mel we're melanated we don't really see a lot of our you know family members or, or friends dying from it or having it but it's listen like nothing is impossible i know that i think bob marley had died from some form of skin cancer i don't know if it was melanoma or some another kind um yeah so it's like i mean he then again he was in jamaica he he was pretty light-skinned he was you know always in the sun so i'm sure maybe he had some more risk factors but still like i don't think we should take it lightly essentially so but that that is really like the run the list for today and you know i think we did a good job alden i think i think so too I miss Erica. Yeah. I know. I I'm know. Back. I'm I'm back. But do you think <laughs> do you think Shouty? Listen, we support you wherever you're at, Erica. We support you. And we know we we're so grateful that um we could talk about medical stuff today in the month of November. So uh to our listeners, that is our show. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of The Lounge. You know the vibes. Let us know your thoughts about discussion we had today or access questions for a chance to be featured on the show at podcast at snme.org. Sorry, we didn't have no financial corner this time, but you know, the corner will be back on the next episode, strong and thriving. You know, I love yeah. y'all love the knowledge, the energy, the excitement. So stay tuned for that. And um, be sure to follow the SNME on all social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. So, Peace out. Be outside. Deuces, baby. Love ya.